Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Blog Talk Radio. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Once again, to the place where sports opinions collide. That's right, you're listening live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, be a part of the show, participate in tonight's discussion. A couple of ways you can do that. You can log into the chat room. The chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and participate in tonight's discussion. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Uh, You can also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Just go to twitter.com at deadendsports. Uh, If you're on Facebook as well, go to facebook.com backslash deadendsports. We keep a lot of content on there as well. And uh, if you're near a computer, make sure that you check out our website, deadendsports.com. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Make sure that you pass the word. This show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash Dead End Sports. Uh, you can also check it out on Stitcher as well. Uh, just go to the Stitcher application uh, on your Android or iPhone. Uh, you can access it by the uh, applications menu. Download the Stitcher application for free and listen to Dead End Sports as your, at your leisure on the, on the go or at home. Uh, again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Crazy, crazy weekend in the world of sports. Um, <laughs> it gets no better than this. You gotta love it when when uh, when things are, are, are cooking like this, day in and day out. Uh, I will be the first to admit, you know, we don't know week to week what we're going to talk about, but we know you, you, we definitely know we're going to bring something hot and heavy when it comes to sports. Uh, without further ado, let me go ahead and bring the crew in. You know the fellas from Dead End Hip Hop, B, Ken, and FIFO. Fellas, what's going on? Yo, what's up, man? Chilling, 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 man. What's good? Nothing, man. You know what, man? I I gotta admit that uh, you know what? I, I I like being honest with the people, man. I'm a bit frust- frustrated uh, today. You know, we always try to make sure we we improve the show and try to give people a little bit of what they want. And and I thank each and every person, you know, each and everybody that listens to the podcast version. But we're trying to add some video, man. And 
and I just cannot seem to get this thing engineered right. So I'm a little frustrated right now, but, you know, all of that will subside once we get to talking about this stuff because I'm sure DZ will say something that would tick me off today. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Uh, got Ken and FIFA on the line. My man B is going to be coming through in just a second. Uh, so hit us up, 646-478-0356. Um, man, where do we start? It, it's been so much as has happened. Um, let's start with the controversy, man. Uh, uh, some some. Something went down in Atlantic City, uh, and it wasn't good. <laughs> Definitely wasn't good. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Baltimore Ravens star running back, former All-Pro, Super Bowl winner, uh, Ray Rice, uh, was charged with uh, an assault charge. Uh, Rice was arrested. Both he and his fiance were both arrested for assault. Now, here's what we know. Ray Rice and his fiance were in Atlantic City in a casino. What we don't know is what happened in the hotel. Excuse me, in, in the uh, in the casino elevator. What we did get a chance to see was some video of Ray Rice dragging his fiance out of the uh, elevator in the casino, and she was out cold, and he was dragging her by her arms out of the casino. That's the video that we saw, allegedly. Ray Rice struck his girlfriend while they were in the elevator and knocked her out cold. Um, he has not been formally charged as of yet. I mean, he's, he's facing an, an assault charge. He hasn't been convicted or anything like that. Um, so, FIFO, man, I'll start with you, man. What do you think should happen to Ray Rice? Um, I think they should just follow typical protocol, you know, when dealing with... Um, these type of cases when it comes down to, you know, assault and domestic violence. You know, I think we got to go back down to, you know, I think Brandon Marshall, you know, like, I know he got caught up with, with a couple of, you know, assaults and domestic violence a couple of times. So I think he just go by the book. Um, and you got to see what he's charged with, too. So you got to wait for the law first. No doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, Ken? What, what do you think should happen to Ray Rice? Um, well, obviously, whatever happened, that, that altercation that happened between him and his fiance, I mean, obviously, that needs to be resolved first, and and after that is taken care of. Um, from there, man, I just, the league should just go ahead and implement whatever, you know, player conduct, conduct policy they have in effect to uh, handle this type of situation. We know one thing about Ray Rice is, you know, throughout his career, he has definitely been... A, um, a model citizen and has managed to stay, stay, you know, out of trouble up to this point. Um, but anytime you have you're caught dragging your fiance out of an elevator and she's not drunk, that's why. <laughs> so and and um, so yeah, it's not a good look. And from what I have read um, most recently I want to say last week is that there is evidence of him allegedly I should say that of him right. hitting his fiance so TMZ hasn't managed to get their hands on that y yet but I'm sure they will 
somebody uh, somebody will look for that they pay, that paycheck soon. But um, but yeah, man. So, um, but yeah, I think um, whatever rules they have in place to handle situations like these, I think they should just go ahead and do it. I know the NFL typically frowns on on uh, violent events like this, particularly violent events towards women. is not a good thing, and that's not the type of image you want reflecting on your your um, your brand and and, and mm-hmm. the league. So, um, but I think they should just take it in, uh, you know, step by step, and just wait till all the facts present themselves and make a, make a decision from there. Okay, okay, that's, that's a good take right there. What about we got? We finally got B on the line. B, what, what, what's your take on uh, on Ray Rice, man? We we know that he allegedly assaulted his uh, fiance. Uh, was seen dragging her out of an elevator. That we do know. Now we don't know what transpired, but there is a tape that has not surfaced just yet, but it will surface of uh, Ray Rice and the, the actual altercation. What's your take on it, B? Uh, what do you think should happen to Ray Rice? Uh, it's amazing how, like you know. A situation like this, you know, it's not really looked upon really seriously, but then you got the situation with Mike Vick fighting dogs and, like, everybody is all up on arms. Like, this this man, you know, supposedly beat up on the, on the, on his woman and had her knocked out in the in the elevator lobby. Like, I, I was amazed what I saw when I saw that footage from TMZ. I'm like, this, this is what the NFL wants to be represented as, just straight-up women beaters. You got these barbaric men. You know, man, and I am me personally. I cannot respect any man that puts their hand on a woman. So it's like no doubt. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like I'm I'm not raised that way, so I'm, I'm not I'm not. That just don't that don't feel man manly. I don't feel like a man more of a man that way. So seeing that, I'm like I was disgusted. I'm like wow. But then you know, it's amazing how nobody's not up in arms about it. I think you know whatever happens, if everything comes out true. I mean, I think he needs to get. I mean, he needs to get punished. This is not how you represent the NFL. This is not how you. I'm, I'm supposing not how you supposed to represent the Baltimore Ravens. And you know, I don't. I ain't gonna say you need to just kick him off the NFL. Just kick him out of the NFL. But whatever harsh penalty you got coming coming along for him, I think he deserves it, man. Like this, that's crazy. You, a football you know what's player, funny what about this? Uh-huh. Is that ESPN and a lot of the the big networks, but particularly ESPN. They're really being very, very careful with this story. I mean, they're staying yeah. away from it as much as possible. Just any anytime the story is reported, it's just a link. You know what I'm saying? But, man, but, like you said, it's why, nothing though? major. Right, but why? But if it, if it was someone fighting dogs or whatever, I mean. Oh, but here's the thing, though. Crazy. Like, all of the facts ain't out. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything hasn't come out yet. So I think once everything comes out, you can, you know, more appropriately, you know, judge the situation. I don't. I think even if the fact is out, I don't think you're gonna have everybody knocking down doors. You know, um, Ray right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like hey, you know. Hey, go ahead. You know what, B? It, it's crazy because that's just like our society, though. You yep. know, it's just a picture yep. that that they paint. So it's kind of like it's expected, and that's the reason why there's nothing really being said. Yeah, it's like, dude, this dude was whooping up on a female. Dude, he had her lips. She was out, dude. She was night night. She was night night. Right. Like, she was literally. Yeah. Like she was like for real though. Like she was limp. Like she was like when you see her when 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 I saw it when I first saw it I was like oh he knocked her ass out like it, I mean it, it was nothing. I'm like hell no like it ain't no. It, that was a, a a UFC knockout the way he was limping her around man I'm like what. And that, I mean, you know, that's what I expected. I'm expecting he he put them hands, he put them paws on her. I really thought he put right. them paws on her. 
when I saw her limping like limp like that, knocked out. And then, he, and like, just from the look of it, it's like he was about to leave her the whole, the, uh, hotel lobby. I was like, Right, hey. right, 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 right. I think, like, um, man, it, it, it's, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to shoot you straight, man. I, I, I am disturbed by it. Uh, yeah, one, because, yeah. because I like Ray Rice. I know I'll be the first to admit, um, and we talked about it before in this show, and we'll talk about it as long as we got this show. Uh, these athletes, we don't know them. You know, we, we know of them, but we don't know any of them personally and what they do in their personal lives. Uh, much like B, I, I can't respect any man that puts his hand on a woman. You know, um, that being said, uh, I think um, part of the issue comes for me in is because, you know, he did that, and then, okay, now, I'm, I'm going to give you what I've heard. I don't know how true this is, but allegedly she spat on him, and that's what, tri- you know, outside of them having an argument, but um, she spat on him, and that triggered the the fight or whatever like that. Um, so, you know, that being said, you don't spit on anybody, but at the same time, as a as a man, you don't, you know, you don't put your hands on a woman. There's always there's plenty of ways you can restrain yourself from hitting a woman or, or restrain a woman from hitting you. That being said, I think the issue, the bigger issue is that, you know, obviously Ray Rice is a star player in the NFL. Um, he is somebody who is beloved by his Ravens fans and things of that nature. And a lot of his fans are female fans, just you know, like any other NFL player. Um but you can't put your hands on a woman. Now, what happens is, is that it's gonna it, it puts the Ravens in a very tough situation. Um, mm-hmm. the, their general manager, Ozzie Newsom, the Hall of Famer, he came out and said he's seen the video and he said it does not look good. And trust me, there is a video of what actually transpired in that elevator, and it's going to come to the light of day. It's not anything that's hidden. I'm pretty sure the Atlantic City, Atlantic City Police Department already has it in their possession. Ozzie Smith is, excuse me, Ozzie Newsom has had a chance to look at it. And like Ken said, it won't be long before TMZ has their hands on it. Once TMZ has their hands on it, the world will see it. Um, so it's not going to be a good look for them. I think because of the uh, collective bargaining bargaining agreement, I don't know that. The league can do anything to Ray Rice at this point, but the Ravens can't. The Ravens can decide to suspend him, you know, for I think up to four games right now. They can do that without anything happening, without any, you know, because they could say, okay, well, you violated your player conduct uh, contract. Um, so, and I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think, you know, that you're going to cut Ray Rice, but, and, and, and I think part of that comes because, of he's going to cost so much against the cap if they did cut him anyway. So, um, but it's, it's a tough situation, man. I'm disappointed that Ray Rice got himself into that situation. Now, on a personal note, I usually feel like if a man hits a woman, that's probably not the first time he hit her. You know, now right. I can't speak to Ray Rice. I can't speak to his character. I don't know Ray Rice personally. I'm just telling you what I know. Usually when a man hits a woman, that ain't the first time he laid hands on especially sort of, like you said, be to the point where you knocked her out cold. Right. No. I mean, that, I don't, you, I'm, not, I'm not buying that's the first time he hit her. I, you know, you just can't do it. So it's unfortunate, man. I, I, you got to let it play out, but it doesn't look good for Ray Rice, nor the Ravens, nor the NFL, because they're going to lump everybody in this with them together. Mm-hmm. That's true. 
phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You're listening live to the place where sports opinions collide, Dead End Sports. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Dead End Sports is back on the air again. Um, Next thing I wanted to jump into, man, is uh, college basketball. As I mentioned, March Madness is right around the corner. Um, It's getting hot and heavy. Uh, Obviously, two of the top teams played in the clash this past Saturday. Uh, Duke played at, uh, uh, excuse me, Syracuse played at Duke. Um, And if you follow college basketball like we we do, uh, you remember a few weeks ago, Duke beat, excuse me, Syracuse beat Duke in uh, Syracuse. down, it was a game that went back and forth. It was down to the wire. Uh, there was a call at the end that wasn't called. It looked like a, a foul, but wasn't called. It was called. A, it was no call uh, in that game. And then, um, you know, and then so let's fast forward to, fr- to Saturday night. We had a situation where C.J. Fair clock is running down. C.J. Fair, the All American guard, pulls up for a jumper, uh, a little floater in the lane, and he gets called for a charge in Cameron Indoor Stadium in, in, in Durham home of the Blue Devils. Uh, some people felt like it was home cooking. Some people felt like it was a blown call. Uh, coach Jim Beheim, the Hall of Fame coach, lost his, his damn, damn mind. mind. <laughs> he, he, started, went he, started, he, started, he started doing the nay-nay out there, dude. I have never seen – out of all my years of watching college basketball and, and watching you know, Jim Beheim, I've never seen – I've never seen him lose his cool, like, to that extent. I've seen him lose his cool before a little, but not to that level. Like, dude was out there jumping on the court, and you clearly read his lips. He was saying, that's some fucking bullshit, that's some fucking bullshit. And, you know, and to me, I always thought Duke always had that extra home, that home-cooked home court advantage at home. It seemed like them dudes always get those close calls at home. It's like when they're playing somewhere else, they don't get those mm. close calls. It's like they're not safe, but they for some reason Coach K and them are they always safe at home. I be feeling like them them refs be on payroll, man, at when they at, uh, at Cameron Stadium, man. But because I you can kind of go both ways with that call, but I did I thought it was a blocking. I was like when they, when I saw Charles, I was like you got to be kidding. I was like wow, and then that's you know I saw you, Coach Jim Behan go out there and lose his mind, and then I started <laughs> laughing. I watched that whole game. I watched the whole game. I watched everything on both. So when yeah, just seeing that emotion and seeing the players and the coach, I was I, I was like, wow. And he just lost his mind. And when he got ejected, I was like, yeah, this this is a wrap. Yeah, I mean, you know, they gonna do about to get payback. So it was crazy. And also, shout out to Boston College too for giving Syracuse their first loss <laughs> at Syracuse. But I put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ken? Um, was Beheim justified? And, and what, what do you think? That, first, I guess let's start here. Let's start with Beheim first, and then we'll get on to the call. Um, did they make the uh, Did they make the right call in that? Was that a charge or was it a block? It's a no call. Um, I, okay. I think just just leave it there because he he was he was moving slightly, but I can see yep. why he called a charge. That's why I think in, in such a critical moment of the game, you just swallow your whistle and let that go, especially since he made the basket. And and I read an article, um, I want to say it was on, uh, I can't remember the source, but it was it was basically they caught up with, with Tony Green, the official that made the call, and they interviewed him about it. And he said that 
when he saw the game situation, he knew right then and there that there was a possibility that they would go to C.J. Fair and try to tie the game. So what they do is they kind of play these scenarios in their head and they try to prepare themselves for whatever possible events that may occur. So in his mind, he was like, okay, C.J. Fair is not a three-point shooter, so more than likely he's going to drive and attack the basket. So in his mind, he had this possible scenario scripted out. He was just, and I'm not saying he he, he made the call based. I was, so he already had this scripted out in his head on what mm-hmm. could happen. So he was prepared to make a call either way it go, depending on, you know, how the events played out. So that said, in his mind, he he was kind of ready to, it seems like he he almost knew that there could possibly be a charge he was going to call it. I don't know. It just it to me it just seems like you know say like, okay, he's going to come down, he's going to drive, he's going to score the basket. So I got to make sure it's not a charge. Right. You know what I'm saying? So and so it's just him knowing that this is going to happen. Like I think he should have just taken himself out of the game, unless it was just an obvious charge, which some could argue that it was. But what I'm saying is that in a in a game like this in a critical moment like that typically those are no call let them play it out on the court don't be a deciding factor in the game we see it happen all the time i mean lebron practically hugged danny uh paul george earlier uh this year i think and he didn't get a call Mm -hmm. and he damn near bear, bear hugged the guy you know uh but they let him play it out on the field and the funniest thing to me, because I was I saw it all happen on Twitter. Everybody was reacting on Twitter. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because I was watching, damn, what was I watching? I think the, no, no, the, I was watching something else. Anyway, so I turned it on, and I said, okay, let me see if it's as bad as, 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 I, as it sounds. Because like B said, Duke typically always end up with those favorable calls at home, on the road, no matter what, where they play, they always get seemingly preferential treatment. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, man, here we go again. I've been watching Duke for years, man. So so I, I turned it on. I was like, okay, that's that could go either way. I, I can see that. But the story was Jim Behan. Boy, <laughs> Cause he, came out of that, he came out of that damn jacket so fast. Oh, my God. It was like he was changing into a superhero outfit. <laughs> he was about to go fight crime. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how he got out of that jacket so Fast. It was like they tried to grab him, but he and he knew they were going to try to grab him. So he just weaseled his way out of that jacket, man, and that jacket swung back like a cape, and he yep. was gone. <laughs> I was sure cracking did. up, man. He was yeah, hot. He was hot. Oh, he was on fire. He was literally on fire. Um, so, FIFA, you, you, you're the basketball coach. You're a basketball guru, man. Was that a – how would you, if you're if you're an official, how would you have made that call? Would you let them play it out? Would you call charge? Would it be a block? How would you call that? I think first and foremost, I wouldn't have a predetermined, you know, saying notion of what was going to happen. Just me personally, um, mm-hmm. and just as a coach, I understood why Beheim was hot like that, mainly because you know, and the first one went against them, and that was clearly mm-hmm. a charge, you know. And as a coach. And as a player, you know, sometimes you let things go because they typically even out. And that was supposed right. to be the evening out. You know what I'm saying? And it was. And when it doesn't go, evening out. 
Like when you even it out, make it equal. Yeah, I got you. I know. Oh, okay. My bad. I, yeah, I yeah. All right. Yeah, so it's just an evening out, and since it didn't happen, you know, I, I thought it was a problem. And that that's the reason why Bayhan went off. Shit, I would have went off like that, too. Ken and B seen me coach. They know I'm a fiery coach. Just like I'm a fiery <laughs> coach. They seen me coach. So, you know, like, let something like that happen at a trip. Man, I'm going to hell. I'm cussing every damn ref out there out. You know, I've gotten a check as a coach. <laughs> yeah, I have, so, too. You know, hey, I'll let, I'll let them have it. I, 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 I don't coach. I coach football, and I actually got a penalty flag <laughs> last year. <laughs> I wasn't wrong, wow. but I got a flag. Wow. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I agree, man. I, and, and you guys know I've said this before. I'm a huge Syracuse fan. I, I've been a fan since probably like 84, 85 when Pearl Washington was there. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little biased, man. Let me tell you how bad. And I, I had, I totally forgot. Well, I didn't forget the game was coming on, but I made a commitment to uh, go to the Hawks game. So me and my wife, my son, we went down to the Hawks game. Um, they were playing the Knicks. So we actually had, we had really good seats, and we had access to the club level. And so Hawks were at halftime, and, and I actually caught the last of the um, – I caught the end of end of the game. The Probably the last – I want to say the, it was the last two or three minutes of the game. So I actually saw it. And, and when I saw Bayheim lose it, I was just like, wow. You know, I've never <laughs> seen Coach Bayheim like that ever in all the years that I've been following Syracuse basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why. You know, and and I, I tweeted out later after getting some some hate from some Duke fans on Twitter. You know, we got a call in Syracuse. They got a call in Durham. Um, but it's, I, the calls, like D said, the calls always seem to be so one sided when it comes to playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I've always seen. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's. I understand it. I understand it. It's a bang bang play. I probably, you know, fan my fandom aside, I probably would have let him play it out. Like Ken said, you swallow your whistle unless it's just an obvious call. The kid was moving. I wouldn't have called a charge right there. Um, you know, I would have kept it moving. Um, so now, conversely, keep in mind that Syracuse is only down by two. So I'm gonna ask you this, B. They were only down by two, and it was like ten, ten seconds left when Fair starts making his move toward the basket. Did Coach Beheim cost his team that game? Uh, I, oh man, I hate to say it. I'm going to say yeah, because it, it just seemed like once once he lost his composure and, and got ejected out from the game, it just like the, the team didn't show resilience. And they, didn't rec- they didn't use – they didn't take that frustration out positively. You know what I'm saying? They just kind of like – was kind of like, well, all right, it's Duke. Of course, we're going to lose. They're going to have the ref on their side. So let's not let's not finish this game hard. Let's just go ahead and just take this loss and go on to the next game, worry about the next game. It, it did kind of seem like the players just kind of was just like, oh, oh well, our coach is gone. He's ejected. Let's get this over with and get out of here. But I think at that point it was like about 40 – it was 40-something seconds left to go. I mean, Syracuse was still in the game. They could have still won it. All they had to do was, right. you know, get the stop or two, and then they would have been straight. But, yeah, it did kind of seem like, you know, with Coach Behind getting ejected, he kind of, like, sucked the life out of his players or whatever. It was like they threw the red – they threw up the white flag at once Coach got ejected. Okay, okay. What about you, uh, FIFO? You said you've lost your temper as a coach before and got teed up. 
Jim Beheim has been in the game for a long time. Like I said, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He knows what he's doing. Do you think he costs his team the game uh, by getting teed up and thrown out of the game at that juncture? Um, you know, I, I don't think he cost them the game. I think he cost them the ability to get back into the game. So, um, I, 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 I don't think, I don't know, man. I, honestly, I, as a player, you know, my coach has been thrown out of a game before. You know, I had a fiery coach as well. He was a point guard too. And to me, I just kind of rallied around that. So as a player, you know, I, I can't put that on the coach because I'm playing. I'm the one that's playing. And I understood, like, coach always had our back. So I understood in that scenario as well, he had my he had our back. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes as a coach, you've got to get a team. It's mandatory. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you just have to make a point. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. As a player, I felt like that should have been something that they that they rallied upon. So in all honesty, I don't think they had cost them the game, I think. You know, um, nah, not at all. I don't think it was on Behan. I, I think it, I think the scenario of the technical fouls made it tougher to get back to win the game, and and even still, as, as, as a, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a tough call because I don't want to put that on the coach. A coach, I don't feel like outside of making coaching errors, can really cost you a game. I don't. Okay. I don't think that that really cost him. What about you, Ken? Do, do you think that cost, that cost Syracuse that game? So the situation is, is, is 10 seconds left in the game. You're down by two. There was an offensive foul call, which gives the possession back to Duke. Mm-hmm. Is that a shooting foul, or is it just? No, no, it's, 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 uh, it's yeah. actually it's either sideline out of bounds, or they may have had the inbound yeah. under the goal. I can't remember yeah, which one. Probably yeah, one of the inbounds, inbounds under the goal because that's where the foul Okay. So there is a possibility they could get a steal. We've seen that. Ha- we saw that happen uh, in uh, Oklahoma State when they couldn't inbound the ball and do hit that three. Um, they could foul. He can make one of two, or he can miss the first one if it's not um, if he's not shooting two. Um, these are all different scenarios that could have potentially happened, but we don't know if they would have happened. So I won't necessarily go as far as to say he cost him the game um, because those events could have played out in his favor or they could not have. Um, what what I will say is that while it was an overreaction, depending on how he spends this with his players, it could turn out to help him later on down the road because mm-hmm. he's basically showing his guys he's like look guys I will fight for you guys to the end even to my detriment and you right. know that may make the guys play harder for him even though they went out the next game and lost so it's not like it helped a lot but um but no man I think sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe in and and he felt it's like it's like he knew that they were about to end up with some bullshit. That's why he reacted that way. He, it's just like he just felt it, and and and, and it happened. So he, he just couldn't contain contain himself. He just flipped. Even Popovich hey, cor- snaps. Hey, correct me, mm-hmm. Ken. They didn't they didn't lose their next game. That was they won their next game. They almost lost it though. 
Yeah, yeah, well, they almost lost. lost back to, uh, back almost lost so that was the second. Yeah. But Duke was yeah, the second. Yeah, the, the first one was Boston okay. College. Um, right, I'll bad. say this much, man. I, I, everybody's made a great point, um, and I wonder. The only thing I have to add to it, I, I don't think that he cost them the game because, but I, I think he has to, and he's going to get a pass for it because let, let's keep it real. If C.J. Fair had done the same thing that he did. You know, we probably be talking. To, <laughs> the, the conversation would be totally different. People be talking about how CJ Fair is out of control. Um, right, right. That being said, I think you know, I think you have to do your best to contain your emotions. Obviously, that's easier said than done. Uh, as we all have just said, we all been coaches, and we all have you know said things or done things that we probably shouldn't have said or done. Um, that being said, he put him. He he didn't cost him the game, but I think if he keeps his emotions, keep, keep in mind. Duke was struggling hitting free throws. So you get the ball, you know, excuse me, Duke gets the ball. Let's say they inbound the ball and you foul them. You know, there's no guarantee that they, that they go down the court and make two free throws. If, if if they do, then you come back down and you run another play. But if what if they make one free throw? Now you're only down three. What if they miss both free throws? You know, um, now you're back in the same position that you're in and you still got, you know, ten, nine, maybe ten seconds left on the clock. So... I don't think his actions cost them the game. I think he, and I think if given a, a given a situation again, I think he'll he'll think a little bit quicker. Uh, like I said, it's easier said than done to do that now. Um, but um, but yeah, man, I, I'm and, and I love Coach Bayheim. Like I said, I'm a fan, always been a fan. So I wasn't as upset, I, but I understand. And, and B made a great point. You know, you when you when you do that type of thing for your team, I think it it only helps your team. I think it. It lets them know that hey, you know, coach is willing to stick his neck out for us, and and as a player, that's all you can ask for is a coach that will do that for you because ultimately you're going to want to do that for him as well, um, you know, and, and show the passion and everything that you have in the game and 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 bring the all bring everything that you got to the table and and leave it all on the floor. So, I think that's uh, I, I think that's where. But I would never say that he cost him the game. I don't think his actions helped. <laughs> it didn't help at all. But um but yeah, and you know, who knows, man. And if given the opportunity, I think he'll be a little smarter, a little wiser next time. Uh the phone number to call in area code 646-478-0356. You are listening to Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host 12 Kyle. I'm joined by my partners in crime. You know the fellas from Dead End Hip Hop, B, Ken and FIFO. Pass the word. Pass the word. Tell a friend. Tuesday nights, right here. The boys are back again. Uh, dead end sports. Um, next question I have for you guys is uh, the NBA. Are, uh, th- there's a couple of things that, as we all know, the NBA has a new commissioner, Adam Silver, who has been uh, he's been in the league office, I think, 20 plus years. Um, but a new commissioner, uh, he has succeeded uh, David Stern, who went out uh, just before the All Star game. Um, one of the things that Silver has proposed, and it's, it's just a, a proposition right now, but uh, he has proposed that the NBA may possibly seek to raise the age limit for players uh, to the age of 20. Um, not sure how they would go about doing that, but, you know, obviously they implemented the rule that, you know, makes college kids, you know, go to school for at least a year. So, FIFA, I'll start with you. Um if they raise the age limit to 20, 
What's your take on that? Do you think that they should do that? Or do you think they should keep it the way that it is? Or maybe possibly kids go straight from high school? You know, honestly, um, I think that they, as a basketball player, I would like to come out of high school. You know, um, simply because if you feel that you got it, I should be given the same opportunity. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm old enough to serve in the military. I'm old enough mm-hmm. to... You know, by cigarettes at that point in time, I should be old enough to apply for this job. Whether I make it or not and it costs somebody else their job, it is what it is. That's not my job. My job is to be out here and try out, and if you like me, pick me up. But from an executive position, um, from, from, from a brand building, honestly, I think it should probably, probably be two or three years. And okay. the reason why I say that is, is because I... At first, I didn't think it would improve the NBA, but I think that it will improve basketball overall. Yep, um, yep. That's because, where I was going with it. Yeah, I, I really do. Mainly because you'll bring the rivalry back to college basketball, and you're going to even out some of this talent because there's an abundance of talent really coming out. And, and, and it's, I, I think that this is the pipeline of technology and the dream team, a combination of all of that. And, and you're seeing, like, year after year, like, think about next year's draft class. Like, like, like they're going to be crazy, too. There's a couple seven-footers out there that can handle the rock, you know what I'm saying, leading fast breaks. Has, has, and it, it's just crazy. When you look at, like, the big men are starting to come back. Maybe not your olden-day big, you know, lumbersome type of big man, but when you see Embiid, when you see Maryland, when you see Anthony Davis, you know, the big man is coming back. They're just different. It's a different era. But, um, you know, imagine those guys playing in college two, three years and building a rivalry in college, and then they bring that to the NBA. Now they have a rivalry in the NBA. So I, I think that's the way um, NFL, you know, was really able to grow, was mainly because of the rivalries, but also because, you know, it's only once a week. So the bets are crazy. But I think, you know, just as a brand and just making the, the game of basketball as a whole better, I, I think it will improve. Just, you know, almost exponentially, I think. Is it fair? No. But, you know, it is our league, and, you know, I think we should do it um, the best way possible. Another thing, too, um, John Calipari, I was watching him one morning on ESPN, and he was saying that the NBA needs to help it out, too, because – then maybe now you need to reduce how long a rookie contract is. So that right. way they're not stuck on a rookie deal for so long, especially if you're going to keep them two, three years in college. Maybe your rookie deal, you know, should be a, a two-year deal, you know, at that point. So that way you can get some max money quicker. Or, you know, in the same time, technically. Okay, okay. What about you, Ken? Um, they're looking at possibly raising the age limit to, 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 to the age of 20. What, what's your take on it? So that would require them to stay in the league, uh, what, stay in college, I should say, for what, two years? Two years, two years yeah. At least. So kind of similar to what was going on with football. Um, I think I, I'll, I'll have to side with, with people on this, man. There's a certain level of maturity that you get. Uh, jump from 18 to 20. I know firsthand. I'm pretty sure we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming into <laughs> yes, the league sir. and having that amount of money and access to fame, depending on where you're, you're drafted, and and I'll be honest, 
it doesn't even depend on where you're drafted. All you have to do is just say you you play in the NBA and and um and you're good. So um so I think that you know allowing these kids to kind of grow a little bit more, mature a little bit more, to get accustomed to to being on their own for a while, about being in college and um you know seeking some guidance from some hopefully some great coaches that it gives them some sound advice. I, I think it could you know like people said help improve the league. You know, obviously, you know, for me, I would like to see a guy like a Jameis Winston, you know, come in and play in the NFL. But imagine how much better he will be by the time he gets to the NFL because he has to go back and work on his craft a little bit more. And he'll hopefully turn that into something positive into the, instead of something negative. Uh, Marcus Smart. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm not against it. I, I think it's a good thing. I think we've had a lot of duds that come to come into the NBA uh, straight out of high school. Eddie Curry and um, you know, and, and less Kobe Bryant and less Kevin Garnett. Right. You know, so I, I think it's a good thing, man. And um, you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm to see him do that and basically turn this sport into an an adult league. You know, so um, and and not a league for kids, man, because the NBA, you know. They need to make sure that they can maintain their image um, as well. And, and young kids can come in, man, and just just totally ruin it. But overall, like people said, man, you know, it will improve the quality of the product on the court. And that's what we want to see at the end of the day. Okay, okay, okay. What about you, B? Uh, 20 years old, man. What's your take on it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I pretty much agree. I pretty much agree, um, you know, with everyone's points. I mean, I think it it, it it improved the game of basketball, you know, because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, how many, it's not like we're going to have LeBron James body type players coming out of high school every single year. So, right. I mean, that, that was like a once in a generation type of deal. So, you know, let let these guys stay in college. And I, and I think it, it, it'll be good, it'd be good for college, too, because can you imagine if, if, if Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Archer was on the same team at Texas? Because they all yep. played one year. They all played one yep. year and they left. Um, uh, Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine, and LaMarcus Aldridge played, played at Texas together. Man, that would have been crazy. So, I mean, you know, I think yep. it'll it, it, it build rivalries both ways. Rivalries for college and rivalries in the NBA. And, you know what I'm saying? But, go ahead, Ralph. Yeah, I was going to say one more thing I think that college will need to do to, to really make that work is that they need to change the rules so it's more like the NBA. Because college, like, these stars that are athletically superior, they can't shine, and they need to make it more even. That's the main reason why I can't watch college ball like that. How was it? How was the college? How was it? How was it doing that to the stars? Like, with the with, with the rules, you know what I'm saying? Like a big man could be camped down low all day, all day, and clog up that lane. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason why you, I personally think you see inconsistencies in Andrew Wiggins' game because he's not really a shooter like that. You know, he's a slasher type. You know, the, the shooting will come later. So he struggles at times in, in college ball, man. A lot of players do. And look at D. Rose. D. Rose wasn't even the best player on his college team. Really? Right. It was Chris Douglas Roberts. Why? Because he was older. You know what I'm saying? He matured more on, on you know, in um. In college, than Derrick Rose did. Derrick Rose played one year. I don't know. I think I just think it's just better defense in college. They actually play defense in college. 
Look, I think um, I, I think one of the things that I, I like about this, um, I, I'm kind of like people. I'm in the middle, but I'm I'm more so leaning toward the NBA. If you're going to improve the NBA product, I don't think that it hurts to have kids stay another year, and then you get a chance to see those kind of rivalries. You get a chance to see those kind of kids. Um, you know, you get to see the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the. Uh, you know, you get to see the ACC, and and the, and then you see confidence. You know, teams like Kentucky and Kansas battle, and 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 it also helps, I think. You know, some of the mid majors because those kids usually stick around for four years anyway. Um, but what it does is also avoids, I think, some of the kids. And it's it's not going to keep kids from leaving early, but what it does is it might keep a kid like a Ben Mclemore who could probably just jump out the gym. But imagine Ben Mclemore playing with his team this year as opposed to being, in, you know, sitting on somebody's bench in the NBA. Um, and, yeah, there there are the rare exceptions, but let's just keep it real. There, it'll be a while before there's another Kobe or another LeBron or another Kevin Garnett to come through. I mean, those, those are once-in-a-lifetime players. We just happen to see them, you know, come through when they did. But um, nothing is more – all of us are basketball fans. Nothing is more frustrating to, to watch an NBA game and you see guys just missing wide open 18-footers. You know, and it's because they lack the fundamentals. You know, it, it, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, just because a kid can, and, and, and I we talk, I talked about this before. I'm not sure if I talked about it on this show or my show. Um, but, you know, you take a kid like Andrew Wiggins. Like, he's wiry. He's, you know, he's very athletic. He's, he's, he's you know, for lack of a better term, he could be a man playing amongst boys right now. But what happens when he's got a bang against you know, a guy like LeBron or, or D. Wade or somebody like that or Paul George, you know, he's, he's lost. And if he doesn't dedicate himself to the weight room and taking care of his body and learning how to become a professional, and that's part of becoming a professional, but, you know, would it hurt him to stay one more year? And, and But I also understand the flip side of it, too. Like FIFO said, man, if you're old enough to go fight for your country, you're, you know, if if you walked out of your high school, if you walked across the stage of your high school graduation, the IBM wanted to hand you a contract for $250,000, there's nothing that stops you from taking that contract. You know, you take it and, 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 and run with it. And I think mm-hmm. it, if it applies to corporate America, it should apply everywhere else. Um, you know, but I understand the NBA has, a, has an image to protect, and they want to make sure that the quality of basketball does not, uh, you know, diminish. Um you know, we're we're actually in a in a point now where we're starting to see, well, not starting to see, we're we're actually seeing the last of the. Remember that that Jordan had an era, and then remember at the end of the Jordan era, you know, people pondered and they they openly talked about, well, I, we don't know what about this next generation of players, and that generation of players included guys like Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, and Kobe, and those guys on their way out. So now we have to look at the next generation and look and see where basketball is or where it's going to be, and is it going to be left in good hands. That was the thing that people always said, well, you know, Jordan left the game in his era. He left the game in good hands. And it was about not so much as about the players, but also how they were able to take the mantelpiece and take it to the next level. Um, you know, the game is in good hands with Kevin Garnett, excuse me, with Kevin Durant and LeBron and guys, guys like Paul George. But if we're letting kids come out of high school early and they're, you know, all they can do is dunk, you know, so what happens when LeBron and, and the Kevin Durant's of the world and the Derrick Roses of the world, what happens when those guys retire? You know, are we going to have those same kind of players to keep the league where it is? Um, so I think that they're looking at it from a long standpoint as well. So it's not just the immediate. They're thinking long-term as well. So 
it's uh it's it's a couple of things to you know it's gonna be interesting to see how it actually plays out. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six again six four six four seven eight zero three five six. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, be a part of the show, participate in tonight's discussion. A couple of ways you can do that: you can log into the chat room. Chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself. Get in with us. Uh, 646-478-0356. Um, speaking of the NBA, um, we touched on it a little bit today on Twitter, man. Um, the NBA, there is talk. Um, we've heard this talk before, but, you know, like I said, we have a new commissioner now, so it could be likely. We don't know. It obviously would have to go through the NBA governing board. Um the NBA is, is pondering making a four-point line where you shoot from a particular distance and you get... 28 feet. <laughs> yeah, 28 feet, and you get four points as opposed to a three-pointer. Um, FIFA, you had some great points on Twitter about it. Are you in favor of a four-point four point play? Or four-point shot, I should say. No, I think it's... It... I think it, it, it takes away possessions, uh, meaning that you can make up possessions too quickly. And basketball is a game of runs, and to have runs, it's about possessions. Um, so, so I, I, I don't like it. I, I just I don't, I don't like it. Um, I think it's a little too gimmicky. I think mm-hmm. the three point line is fine. I think yeah. they're making the court bigger. That should happen, and maybe moving the three point line a little bit. You know, further back, you know, I, I I definitely think that because the players are bigger, stronger, faster than the ninety than the nineteen forties. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, you could put um, Marcus T back in the nineteen forties and he would average damn near triple double with his athleticism. People weren't like that back then, you know. So, um, I think the court is rather small for them. Um, so I just say make the court bigger, move the three point line back, and call it a day. Okay. What about you, B? What, what's your take on it? Uh, I don't like it. I don't even know why I even thought of pondering that idea of a of a four point three point line, twenty eight feet back. It's just it's uh, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't believe that that was even thought of and that and that came out like that. I was shocked when I thought it. I'm like, what? Twenty eight feet, four point play. I mean, what? Why? Keep, <laughs> keep, keep it at. I mean, you know, and I'm, I don't know how people were complaining, you know, back when the, in the late '70s when the three point line came came about. You know, it, you know, the three point line has never always been NBA. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. They was complaining the same way we was like, oh no, four point play, no, no, four point line, nah. But keep it just the way it is. I mean, you know, just ah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I hate it. I can't believe that was a part of the whole thought to even think about. But. Hey, you never know. I, I mean, I can't be surprised if 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 they do make some shit like that happen. <laughs> At this point, ain't no telling what they might change up in the game. Right, 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 right. Man, what about crazy. you, Ken? Uh, four point, four point shot, man. Like like uh, NBA jams or uh, or uh, the little celebrity joint they used to do back in the day. What, what's your take on it? You know what? That, there's a reason why I wanted to talk about this on the show and. And and it was about some of the things that FIFO FIFO was saying on Twitter, and um, and and I was like, what's wrong with 
advanced, advancing the game forward. And it seemed like now, you know, FIFA was like a traditionalist in a sense. But hearing him kind of explain himself um, now and listening to B, I understand it a little bit more because, you know, you know, because it does make a lot of sense. Like now all of a sudden, you know, one shot and you have a tie game. You know, and, and it, it creates <laughs> more of an advantage. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know, even listening to B, you know, I'm like, okay, now my position has kind of changed. I, I, at first I was like, you know what, I don't think it's a bad thing um, outside of just all of the, the, the little nuances of, of how you coach a game, how you can come at to the game, you know, the stuff people would describe. And I was like, you know what, with the way they're shooting now, it's not a bad thing to kind of add that extra element. But then I thought about it. And the way they are shooting three-pointers today, I can only imagine what would happen if they had a four-point shot. They would be jacking up four-pointers left and right, and it would practically damn near ruin the game. The game, yeah. Like, what? Yeah, so so no, no, we 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 don't need that, man. They're already shooting way too many three pointers today as it is, and I think, um, and I want to say, FIFO said this, I, and I totally agree with this, and I think this should happen first. Move the damn three point line back. Steph Curry can shoot from anywhere on the court. LeBron can shoot from anywhere on the court. Kevin Durant can shoot from anywhere on the court and make three pointers. Carmelo Anthony. I'm pretty sure Ray Allen could make three pointers from with the line move back. Just move it back and deter uh, average to mediocre three point shooters from jacking up three pointers. Move it back and create and make it difficult. Make it more of a reward than than it is now. Now anybody can shoot. You got Chris Bosh out there shooting three pointers. You know, he, he worked on the craft, but you know. And you know what, Ken? You know what else it does? It gives you more dunks because it gives you more lane opportunities because now it's a further distance that you have to defend. So right. when you don't help off of Ray Allen, that's a lot bigger of a gap there now for LeBron and D-Wade yeah. than what it was before. You know, So I, I, I think you get more dunks. Um, I, I think that it, it, it makes coaching defense a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, it's like how, how do you cover more more ground now with the same amount of bodies? So you know, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting how coaches will adjust to that. You know, like are, are we going to see different types of offenses? You know, how um, the players that get drafted is that going to change? So you know, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I like yeah, the idea I, I think of making I'm the not in favor of it though. What would you say, Ken? No, I said I like the idea of making the court larger, you know, and wider than what it is now. I think it is, it's a, for whatever reason, it just looks extremely congested now. You know, so. and, and I, I think one of the things that, that I think, you know, they, I actually remember when, and I can't even remember the dimensions, where it was further out than where where it is now. And then I remember when they brought it in, and there was an outrage yeah. when people were talking about bringing it, bringing it in. Um I'm I'm of the thought that I don't think much is going to happen. I think it's just talk. It's, there's been talk about this for a while. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think it's fine just the way that it is. Um, 
you know, like I said, and we all watch basketball, and, and probably one of the worst things that you can do sometimes is uh, you <laughs> you have that three on one break, and a guy just stops to pull up for a three. And if you've been playing basketball, like you guys have been playing basketball all your life, or watching basketball like all I like all I have all my life, you know that fundamentally that's not the way basketball is supposed to be played. If you got a three on one break, take it to the cup. You know, you don't stop and pull up for three now. If Ray Allen's on the wing, that's a little different because his three probably is going to go in. But, I mean, you have guys, some guys just, I mean, they're on the break and they stop running the break just to run to the three-point line. Um, And I can only imagine if you push it back to 28 feet, what would happen. So um, I'm hopeful that it's just talk as usual. But um, you know, we'll see. It, the, the competition committee is supposed to be meeting, and they meet every off season. Um, I, I look for Adam Silver, that like I said, the new commissioner, to make some changes. I don't know that necessary. And, and I know Stern, David Stern, said that he was in favor of the 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 age limit again. But the problem was was that they didn't want to have to battle it out in court. Um, and, you know, in the NFL, nobody has challenged the NFL, well, with the exception of Maurice Colorette a few years ago. Nobody's challenged that. Maurice Colorette challenged it and, and, you know, took it to the Supreme Court and still lost. So I don't think that anybody in the NBA is going to challenge it. Uh, but time will tell. Time will definitely tell. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646 646- Four seven eight zero three five six. You are listening live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle, and this is Dead End Sports. Joined by the crew, Ken, V Four, and B. Hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, next thing I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, is been it's come out uh, here recently, probably in the last couple of days. Uh, a proposal that is probably going to happen with the NFL. Um, next year, the NFL is looking to penalize players for using the N-word on the playing field. Not in the locker room, not in the stadium, but on the field. <sighs> Touch the subject. Uh, you know, some people are for it, some people are against it, uh, some people don't want uh <laughs> As I saw one guy on Twitter said he didn't want white corporate America for mandating his word. Um, Ken, what's your take on it, man? The N-word, getting a 15-yard penalty for saying the N-word on the field. What's your take on it? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I didn't even know they were saying it on the field. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Hearing about it now. Of course, it makes sense. Why wouldn't they say it on the field? But up until they made this announcement, I didn't know they were even saying it on the field. I didn't know this was a problem, mm-hmm. even if it is a problem. But if they're making a rule about it, it might be a problem, or it might just be something that they want to deal with after what you know everything that went down with Jonathan Martin and right. and Riley Cooper. You know what happened with him, but. Apparently, we have a situation in the NFL with with black folks and maybe white folks and maybe some people of, of um, the Latino community running around just using the N word, however they see fit on the basketball. I mean, on the on the uh, football field. Um, I 
haven't really formulated a solid opinion on this yet. Um, I do think that there there needs to be a certain level of professionalism um, that that takes place um, on, on the field. But if, if they're going to ban this word, I, I think they should ban any every other damn cuss word that's being said as well. <laughs> you know, if, if that's what you're going to start doing, if you're going to start policing what people can say when they're playing the game, I understand the the. The, the negative reactions that come from this word and the things that could happen if this word is said by the wrong person to the wrong person, to the right person. Right. That thing, you know, you, you have a, a bigger issue to deal with. But I think now you get into the situation where you're policing what people can and cannot say. Does this happen? It happens all the time. It happens in corporate America. We can't run around at our job just cursing like cursing and, and using the N-word uh, as we see fit. They'll send mm-hmm. our ass home. So I can see them trying to tone down and, and create this this level of conduct on the field um, as well as off the field. So, And I think that this word uh, has a lot of uh, history attached to it that, that causes people, especially people of color, to react in a violent way. But all of that said... Considering the fact that I haven't heard of any single instance or seen any type of fight break out or this story even break at all up until now, it seems to me as if they were doing a really, really, really good job of policing themselves and that it wasn't an issue to my knowledge. There's a lot of research I would have to do to see why this even came up. And maybe, Kyle, you may have some some more backstory on this that I don't know of right now, but, you know... I didn't think it was a big of a problem, but I'm not against it. You know, I can't. I, it, it, it's interesting because I heard uh, John Wooten speak about it. He's the executive director of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Um, the Fritz Pollard Alliance is uh, they work with the NFL and they make sure that, you know, everything is that their, their specialty is diversity. Um, they make sure they were one of the the people that spearheaded the initiative to uh, initiate the Rooney Rule to make sure that minorities, uh, you know, are you know viable candidates for uh, jobs, particularly head coaching jobs. Um, so I get it. I, I understand um, the meaning of the word. I understand the, the the history of the word. I mean, hell, I grew up here in the South. Um, to be honest, and you know what's funny, Ken, that you said that I that made me think. I've never heard it on a football field, and I went to <laughs> and I went to historically black college, um, and I played football at South Carolina State historically black college. I, I can't ever remember playing FAMU or Bethune Cookman or Howard, and somebody saying that. I I don't. I mean, we said it in the locker room, I guess, but. I don't know, man. I, it, it's a slippery slope, and I'm not going to sit here and defend it. Um, you know, if people choose to use it, you know, just be cautious when you when you go about using it. Like I said, I, I don't look at it as, you know, corporate America trying to change, you know, because the NFL of today is different from how it was when John Wooten was in the NFL in the, the late 60s. Um, so it's a, it's a difference, you know, and, and it's made up of, you know, a lot of young black people, young black men and and they use that word, and, and it's nothing for you probably to walk into the Cleveland Bengals, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals locker room and hear Waka Flocka, 
you know, or uh, Gucci Mane on the radio or on the stereo in the um, in the locker room, and you know, the N words just flying out of his mouth every ten seconds. Um, that being said, I don't have a problem with it, but I think you're 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 traveling down a very slippery slope when you start mandating what you can and can't say. I mean, what if me and B play, are playing for the Falcons? B makes a, a, a hell of a catch, and I go over to him and say, "Great catch, my nook." <laughs> you know, do I get a flag? <laughs> well, do I get a flag? So I, I don't know where the lines are drawn. They're, they're truly blurred lines for me. I don't, I don't know, man. FIFO, what about you, man? What's yeah, your crazy. take on it? NFL fifteen yard flag for for dropping the N word. What's your take on it, bro? I think that's the dumbest shit in the world. Like, because you don't, you don't need to police that. That's something that if it's said inappropriately or by the wrong person, like Ken said, it'll kind of police itself. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that you need to penalize them. I mean, you're right, Kyle. Like, so I can't just go to my boy and I'd be like, good job, my nigga. And, oh, 15 yard penalty? Shit. Right. Shit. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, um, I played a little football. I don't remember saying it or really using it like I do on a basketball court. But still, like, no, that, that's the dumbest rule ever. And then, you know, even to go, you know, add a little bit more fuel to my fire, um, I was watching, um, what's his name, uh, the, the safety, Ryan Clark, that he's not yeah, yeah. an analyst. And, you know, really, he, he he's um, part of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. And, mm-hmm. you know, be, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, because, because of everything that he had to go through, um, he he told the locker room like don't use that word whatever whatever and you know it was they, they adhered to it for like a little while but after a while it just came back man it's just part of the culture it's part of society um, you can't police that you know that that that's that's like saying you can't say like we don't have freedom of speech here like we're censored nah we're not censored some things might be insensitive. But that's the world. The world is cool. So you have cool wor- right. words out there as well. And you just have to have an, enough tough, uh, tough skin to, you know, play through it. And it, I don't know. I think it's just highly dumb. Okay. Okay. What about you, B? What, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, why? I don't understand why the NFL want to try to police emotions. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's like when you – like when you – Emotionally into a game or something, you know? Yeah, you you're gonna say some words. You're gonna say some stuff on the football, rather it's a football field or a basketball court or whatever. It's like emotions. It's, it's emotions, man. So sometimes you just can't handle it. Just like I think y'all, both of y'all, said you people and Kyle, you said like, yeah. So I can't be like, oh man, good catch, my nigga. Like you know, I mean, you, if it's a good catch for a crucial first down, you know, your emotions gonna get the best of you. You're gonna get you're gonna get emotions. You're gonna be happy. So you know, right. of course. Or even if you're just angry or something, you just want to take some anger out and you you hitting the fool to get your ass up, nigga, or whatever. I mean, I, I, you know, you you can't you can't you can't police emotions. You know what I'm saying? You can't. You can't you, it's like you telling players to to watch your emotions. Like, don't hey, keep your emotions in check. Football is an emotional sport. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I think all with sports. that, yeah, yeah, all sports in general. I mean, especially football though. But yeah, it's like. Come on, man! It's it's a fully emotion. You tell them, you pretty much telling players to to watch your emotions. That's how I look at it. When I saw that, I'm like, you just like you're saying, hey, look, 
I don't care how your emotions get. You better not say that word or 15-yard penalty. <laughs> so, I mean, that's crap, man. You just tell them to control their emotions. They caught up in the moment. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's crazy that here we are in, in 2014, and it seems like this word just seems to be the center of a lot of conversation. You know, and and it's now it, it and it's amazing to me because even though we're in 2014 and we should have progressed as and evolved as a society, it seems like we're still dealing with issues of the past that we just haven't seemed to to let go. Issues dealing with race and the stuff that happened with Trayvon Martin and now the stuff that happened with Jordan Davis, which happened right after that, and then. The injustice that was done to the woman that got 20 years from from busting a cap up in the sky, and to everything that happened with with uh, Jonathan Martin uh, with the Dolphins and Riley Cooper, it seems like now race is again at the forefront of our discussion, and it's not like it's not the 60s anymore. And it's like now at this stage of our life, and it's that we all should know what can and cannot be. Be said, or we should all know how to conduct ourselves in society among our peers, regardless of color. And it's mm-hmm. amazing to me that you have to actually create a rule and penalize people for saying <laughs> right. the N word. You're absolutely right. Whoever said this thing was dumb as hell, FIFO, you're right. This is dumb as hell that we have to do this in 2014. How many years has the NFL been around and how many black people have played in the NFL? And now in 2014, we need a rule. We need to penalize people for it. Right. Well, let me ask you this. How do we know they even said it? So are you going to play it back for us to hear it? Is right. that what you're going to do? So now you're broadcasting right. it live. It, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, it, it's tough to police, man. Up now. And, and shout out to my man, Dig Game on Facebook. He he made a good point. He said refs have enough to deal with already. I mean, I need you to know if 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 my receiver, if my wide receiver caught the ball and got both feet down and bounds, I don't need you worrying about whether or not he got up and, and congratulated him by dropping in dropping in work with his partner. Um, it, it's a lot to deal to deal with and. And uh, my brother answered a question on Facebook just now. He said, "He said you got a team that still calls itself the Redskins." So <laughs> he said, "You know, you're not really politically correct already." Um, I, I think it's it's hard to do, man. It, it's hard to do, and it's not. I think you have to, you know, kind of take it for what it is. Um, and I think ultimately, if you voice your displeasure about the word being used in football circles, then I think. You can police it in the locker room, and that's where it starts. Because if you police it in the locker room, if you if you let cats know up front, hey, you, you're not going to be cursing in here, you're not going to use the N-word, blah, 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 players will fall in line. You know, this is this, this is a business, you know, and, and, and that's totally understood. And, and players will fall in line, and they will curb whatever they're doing to, to fit in. Um, but if you don't police it in the locker room, you can't expect for it to happen on the field. It, it just doesn't work like that. Um, but I think it's a slippery slope. I mean, if you start with the N-word, then where do you stop? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it, it, it's there's no there's no line there. So 
you you need to be careful about that. And like I said, referees they have enough to deal with as is. It's tough to police. Um, I've never heard it on the football field, so I like Ken, like you said, Ken. I didn't even when they threw this out there. I didn't even know that this was even an issue. I I know that, and a lot of this you know stems from the whole Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito thing, you know. So I think that's where the base is. You know, if you wonder where all of this is coming from, I think it starts there with the bullying and the you know talking bad about each other and stuff like that. And, and you know, Martin uh, uh, allegedly, excuse me, the Dolphins allegedly given Richie Incognito a quote unquote black card and. You know, gave him free free reign to just drop in words wherever because he was quote unquote a black dude, um, which is a whole another story in and of itself. We talked about this on a previous show when it's dropped, but it's hard to police. It's hard to police, and I think you know the NFL does a great job as far as their marketing, promotion, and stuff like that. And as long as you don't have you know. If you'd had Richard Sherman dropping the N bomb in that interview that he did with Aaron, Aaron Andrews, that's different, you know. But right, right. I, I've never heard, and, and and you always hear there's a huge boom mic on the sidelines. I've never heard it on a boom mic actually get caught and broadcast over the air. So, I mean, take for what it's worth. If they want to, if they want to go take it that far, they can. But like Ken said, man, I don't know that it's been a problem, and I think they're kind of fishing at this point. Um, so you know what, Kyle? Go ahead, go ahead. Hey, hey you know what, though? I, I think when you brought up Richard Sherman, I think he scares them, though. I, oh, I think that they thought it was coming, and they didn't have <laughs> anything in place to really deal with it. You know what I mean? And, right. and And back to the Jonathan Martin thing, look at this, man. Look. You're not going to buy yourself any any moral goodwill by implementing a no N-word on the field policy because you had N-word running rampant in an organization, an NFL organization that lacked um, some type of, of leadership in the locker room or that culture was void of it. So now all of a sudden, because that's a bad reflection on, on the NFL, now all of a sudden you want to say, hey, well – Hey guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna make sure they don't say it on the field. No, this won't solve anything. You're only bringing more attention to yourselves. Let the Jonathan Martin case die down, and let the Dolphins deal with it. It's their situation. But now I gotta look at you and say, okay, well. What's really happening on the field? What are they really saying on the field? And who's saying it on the field? You know right. what I'm saying? So two things. I think Richard Sherman scares the shit out of them. And I think now that they're trying to do this to buy back some type of goodwill for what happened in the Dolphins organization. And I it, think, it's, it's I think you're lame. dead on point. I think you're dead on point. And, and I know for a fact Fox cut that interview short because – they didn't know what Richard Sherman was going to say. All they saw was him yelling and this pretty little white girl, and she was going. She was about to get cussed out by Richard Sherman. That's it. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just don't know how you're going to police that. And you know, like like FIFO said, man, you you congratulate your your, your teammate and you drop an N word and he just scored a touchdown. You throw a 15 yard penalty. So now we're kicking off from the the 20 yard line. Nah, I, nobody's going to co-sign on that. Nobody. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Uh, let's jump back to the NBA, man. Um, I know it's only been a couple of games, but Russell Westbrook is back in the mix for the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, and it has not worked out for them. Uh, they got mollywopped by Miami 
a couple of days ago, and then they lost their second game with Westbrook in the lineup. Um, and I'll go to you first, FIFO. How long do you think it's going to take OKC to get back on track with Westbrook in the lineup? Um, I, I think, you know, a couple games, man. Um, you even seen it with Rondo. You know, he still doesn't have all his basketball legs up under him. You know, um, it, it, it takes a while to get that, that timing back, especially being a point guard, you're handling the rock. You saw it a lot against Miami where, you know, sometimes he went to attack and the ball wasn't right there where he thought it'd be. So it'll take time. I'll put it to you like this. It doesn't matter because it'll be right by the playoffs. In all honesty. Okay. And that's all that matters. As long as they get first or second seed, which I don't see them dropping out of one or two, you know, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. So I don't know, and it doesn't really matter personally. What about you, B? Uh, how long do you think it's going to take for them to get back on track with Westbrook in the lineup? B. Whoa, B. Okay. Oh, what happened to B? Okay, now we got. It. There we go. <laughs> I was saying. Um, I was saying. Yeah, I think I, I'd give them to late March. I say sometime like late March. You know, because as a as a basketball player, I'm pretty sure FIFO agree with this. Yeah, it, it takes time to get back in the group. If if if, if me and FIFO didn't hoop in six or seven months and we go out there and play basketball, guess what? We gonna we gonna be kind of rusty the first three or four times we go out there and ball. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we keep going, we keep going to the court every week, every week, every week. Guess what? We gonna be out there busting ass because we gonna get our rhythm back. We are gonna be straight. So it, it is gonna take time. You know, it, it's gonna take some time. You know, you coming off a off a serious injury like that, you know. He got to mentally come back. He might he might physically be back, but, you know, when you mentally not there, it's, it's going to take time, man. You got to get your rhythm down, Pat. So I give him towards the end of March. You know, he's gonna, his minutes is going to increase and increase and increase, and he'll get back into the into the groove of things right right, right in time for playoffs. I'm just what curious about you, Ken? How, how long do you think it, we, we got into it? Or, or, <laughs> well, actually, we didn't get into it. You got into it with somebody on Twitter about this. Uh <laughs> How long do you think it's going to be, man, before Westbrook is back to being Russell Westbrook? Well, wait, B, did you have something else? No, I was just like, I was about to say, I'm really interested to see, you know, how Westbrook's uh, uh, shot taking, you know, how many shots he's going to be taking once he get back to the group thing. Is he going to... Is he's going to kind of mess the flow of things up? Because, you know, I think OKC was so used to with Reggie Jackson playing that point. So it's just like now it's just all about adjusting and getting Westbrook back in his, into his groove. So is it going to – if Westbrook get back into his groove, you know, the usual Westbrook we used to seeing, is it going to mess up KD's groove? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just interested to see that more so than anything. I think I think Russell Westbrook going to be okay, though. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that that's – that will be a bit of a story, um, you know, as the season progresses. As far as how long it'll take for for um, for Westbrook to get back in, in the groove of things with with the team, next four games they're playing against uh, sub 500 teams, so that'll give them time to kind of practice and, and get everything together, man, um, and just get back into a rhythm. He's on a, t- uh, a minute watch, 25 minutes a game, so that's a little bit difficult. To, to deal with, um, and, and I think more importantly, I think that um, that they were just in such a groove with Reggie Jackson, and Westbrook plays so differently from him, you know that that's mm-hmm. 
the main mental hurdle that I think that they'll have to adjust. That chemistry has to come back, you know, after playing without him for so long. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, like, how would this affect KD? KD still put up 42 the other day, but, right. you know, and Westbrook, people and I, we were talking about this this Sunday. Like, it's built in Westbrook as part of his DNA to come look up at the score and say, oh, we're down. I need to make a play. And he kind of, you know, and he, he does that. Miami, he got back in Miami, they got back in the game behind nine points from Westbrook. And KB, KD wasn't even a factor. KD didn't really become much of a factor until Westbrook went out of the, uh, Westbrook went out of the game. They got more into a rhythm when Westbrook went out of the game. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's no, that's no knock on him because they were just in such a rhythm. And I'm not knocking him for that. But, you know, I, I just saw part of the highlights from the second game they lost against the Clippers. Westbrook hit a big shot. Normally that would be KD taking that shot. So, mm-hmm. you know, so how would this affect how people look at KD? Not how KD plays, but how people view KD because he was seen as the lead dog up until this moment. And if he comes back and Westbrook starts taking some of that shine away from him and LeBron continues at this pace that he's on right now, LeBron is still an MVP from him that I think KD yeah. up to this point, even now, still rightfully deserves. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I, I agree, man. I see we got a call on the line. We're going to jump to it in just a second. I think um, I think it'll take a few games. Uh, he, he definitely didn't look himself uh, in both games, it, it you know, and it shows in the rust. I mean, it, it like B said, you, you could take off if you take off any kind of kind of physical activity. It's going to take you a minute to get your legs up under you, get your confidence back. Um, but as long as he's ready by the playoffs, he, he'll be fine. And I think OKC will be fine. I really don't see them moving much in the you know in the in the grand scheme of things. So I think they'll be okay. I think much is made about whether or not they can coexist. I. Those two guys can coexist. I think the problem oh, yeah. is sometimes is Westbrook's shot selection, and Durant appears to be somewhat reserved, uh, and they don't think that you know they think that he's actually taking. Well, I don't think he's taking any anything away from his game. I think you know Durant's going to be Durant. You know I think Westbrook just has to take good shots. I, when you play, and anybody listening, if you've ever played basketball, guys don't have a problem with you taking shots as long as you're taking good shots, even if you're missing. You know, coach will tell you, shoot, you know, keep shooting because you're going to make some, you know, especially if you can shoot, you're going to make more than you miss. But the problem is, is just taking bad shots. You shouldn't be taking those, (laughs) you know, triple clutch shots, you know, falling out of bounds off of one leg. You ain't Dirk, you know, so as long as you keep that in mind and Westbrook, you know, controls his game, I think they'll be fine. Um, Right now, let's jump to the phone lines. We've got a caller calling from right here in the ATL uh, calling from area code 404. Uh, let's see if we can bring it up. Caller, you on the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you on the air. Oh, hey, how you doing? This is Jeff calling from the Jeff, what's going on, bro? What's up, man? Mark KD. How y'all doing this evening? Good, right, good, good. What you got for us, man? Yeah, um, so I just wanted to uh, make a comment. Um, something that you said previously about the NFL is trying to take away the N-word out of the okay. in smack. And here, here's the problem that I have, and I don't know if y'all went over it, but you have NFL owners who are majority all white mm-hmm. trying to dictate again 
on how we use certain languages out on the field as being majority African-Americans out there playing football. Now, trash talking is the part of our game when we out there playing. Right. There's nothing heinous or, or, or malicious behind it. Me being a black man can say certain things to another black man that's not going to be heinous or malicious. We have turned the N-word and, try, and, and put a twist on it. Now you have, uh, 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 and, I, and I know the egregious, heinous term that it used to be used for when it was coming out of a Caucasian's mouth to a black to, to, towards a black man. But here again, you have NFL owners who was all white. There's not a black owner in the NFL going to dictate what to say out on the field with the majority of the players out there are being black, that are black. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my issue that I have with it. Okay, let me let me play. Can I play devil's advocate with you one second, Jeff? Yeah. All right. So here's the thing, and and I heard and and I'm, I'm a paraphrase from uh, Herman Edwards who was on a uh, ESPN this morning. He made a good point. The owner owns the team. It's not a it's not a right, but it's a privilege to play in the NFL. Let's say the owner has the board of directors. Um, you know, he has a team of the board of directors that come in and walk through the locker room. And you're just dropping an N-word this, N-word that, and you listen to Gucci Mane in the locker room. He don't want to hear that. He is actually bringing business. He's bringing people who have invested also. into. He's a part of the the group that pays for your salary. So it's his place of business. And when in Rome, you have to do as the Romans do or don't go to Rome. So I get what you're saying, but because he's the owner, he has every right to tell you what you can and can't say in his place of business. It'd be the same if if you own Jeff's T-shirt shops. You're going to want people to come in your shop and and patronize your business, but you're also going to want them to conduct themselves in a certain way. And I think that's part of what it is. It's, It's not good for business. It's not good for business anytime guys get into trouble. It's not good for business anytime guys, you know, uh, you know, the Ray Rice situation. None of that stuff is good for business, and the NFL is about business. They're, they're a business that's about business, and they pride themselves on conducting business in the best way. I get your point, I, I, and I don't disagree at all. But much like Ken said earlier, you know, in our jobs, we can't run around and just use the N-word or I, or I'd say any kind of racial. You know, I can't say the word, the F-word. I can't say fag or anything like that. Not that I would, but I can't say that, even though the guy sitting next to me is. You know, so it's, it is what it is. And it's, is it politically correct? Yeah, I think we, but that's where we are. You know, freedom of speech ain't free. It, it That's just where we are right now as a society. And, you know, I would say to you playing devil's advocate that if you, if you're that adamant, if someone is that adamant about using the N word, you know, say it when you get in the car, say it at home, but you can't say it at work. And I think that they're just trying to police it and kind of make things a little better. I don't know how you go about doing that, but I think that's where they're starting, and right. that may rub some people the wrong way. But that's where we are. But, but we talking about referees putting uh, uh, penalties out on players for for. Uh, Unsportsmanlike conduct out there. We we not we come out on the playing field, opposed in a locker room. Okay, okay. So let me let me take it a step further. And I I think this and I think all of this has come about with the incognito and yeah, we talked about situation. 
I think that's why this is coming about right now. Okay, so let me let me take it a step further, Jeff. You play football. We play football together. When have you ever heard the N word on a football field? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't hear. I, you, Did you ever hear when we were in college? Okay, okay. That, that's my point. And we went to a historically black college. So I don't well, even, but, and Ken made but, a great point. I don't even know that this is an issue in the NFL. I don't. I'm not saying that it isn't. I, when they came out with this, this that was the first time I ever heard of it. But but here's the thing, though, Kyle. Uh, you guys didn't hear it when you played, but if they have this rule, it's being said. Right. And it must, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think they're just right. arbitrarily making it up out, out of nowhere. Oh, um, no I think they're trying to prevent a future situation from occurring because last year they had two situations where this word was a problem. Raleigh Cooper, Jonathan mm-hmm. Martin. And so now they're saying, well, we don't need a third situation that could end up being worse than the two that we had. We got lucky with Raleigh Cooper. That that didn't turn out to be more than what it was. Yeah. He had to go yeah. back to work the next day. And he exactly. said what he said on his off day. He wasn't at work. Exactly. He, he, he was at, he was at, a, at a country <laughs> music concert having, a, having himself a good old time. And he had to go to ne- the work the next day and have to deal with that. So they're saying, well, what if he said it while he was at work? Or what if mm-hmm. something happens? While they're on the playing field, and I think you know, like old boy on the phone, he, he's right. The people, the board that made this this decision, I heard six of the nine of them are white. So now they're coming in, granted, in their place of business and the the teams that they own, that that they actually own, and they have the right to do so. But they're coming in and saying, "Hey, you guys can't say this around here." You know what I'm saying? This isn't right. And um and I'm not saying that they, that they don't have the right to do it, but I kind of see where he's coming from. It's like mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're telling us what to do with this word that you have used against us in a negative manner damn near since we came to this country or whenever right. it, it, it took effect. And now all of a sudden you're trying to take it away from us. Um, you're trying to take that one thing that we finally got that we have to ourselves away from us. So And I, and I think that that's what I'm hearing from him. But, right. you know, and, and, and like you said, man, it it's really is a very, very slippery slope because because we do work for you and you do pay for us. We have to do as you say unless we go find another job. So your money, your check, your rules, your boss, fine. And I'll, I'll have to play by that because I'm playing the game that I love. But, you know, and, and I get what you're saying when you say, hey, you know, we're in a business and we're bringing professionals and we don't want Gucci Man or Chief Keith playing in the locker room. <laughs> but, you know, like old boy said, this happens on the field and the conduct is policed on the field away from these businessmen. And at the same time, when I hear that, that example, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm paying you to be a gladiator on the field and I need you to perform. And if this is what you have to do to perform and give me the best product for my money, then do what you need to do. I will bring you it's, – it's like Sparkers, right? They didn't send their ass to that damn arena. When right. they need to bring those <laughs> damn Spartans to, to show off their product, they got them dressed, they got them clean, and they brought them in, into, into uh, wherever party they had, and that was how they presented these guys to them. Not on the playing field where blood is spewed everywhere, 
Right. In a situation that they could control. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I, I think he's right, but at the same time, I think uh, they have the right to do it. It's just, yeah, man, it's just, whew, it's just, it's just real, real, real it's slippery real slope. Slippery man. slope. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, you got anything else for tonight, Joe? Uh, yeah, I got a few things, but I just wanted to say thanks, man, for taking the call. And, uh, you know, it's a great show that you got going right there, KD. And I'm not sure, man. I always support everything that you all do. And, um, you know, uh, we go back. We, we go back. Yeah, we go <laughs> wait. Hey, you still got my $5, man? <laughs> 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 hey, it's over $10. <laughs> hey, thanks for calling in, Jeff, man. I'm going to holler at you, man. All right, man. Later, man. Peace. Phone number, Jeff, called. Area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You're listening live to Dead End Sports, place where sports opinions collide. Remember, this show is being broadcast each and every Tuesday night, so in the event you cannot listen to the show live or you missed any parts of the show, man, make sure to check out the archives, blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. You can also check it out on Stitcher as well. If you have an Android or iPhone, uh, much like everybody else in the world, uh, just go to the application store, uh, download the Stitcher application. It's free, doesn't cost you anything, and upload Stitcher. Search Dead End Sports, and you can listen at your leisure, at home, or on the go. Um, next question I have for you guys, uh, boxing. Um, I'll start with you first, B. We talked a little bit about it last night. Wanted to uh, get everybody else involved in this. Floyd, Wade, Floyd Mayweather is going to fight uh, Marcos Maidana, Mediana, I think that's how I pronounce it, uh, in May. Uh, are, would you pay to see this fight? No, I wouldn't pay to see it. I mean, I think. We'll, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm a Mayweather fan. I mean, you know, but I, I think, I mean, it's just gonna be another another dead dead to office for Mayweather. I think what makes this, you know, what makes this compelling is because, you know, uh, Marcus he, he uh, the dude he whipped up on Adrian Bronner, which is like the Mayweather soldier day. So people looking like, well, if he can handle, if he can, if he can get through Adrian Bronner and whip him up, you know, he can he can get you Mayweather. No, he can't, man. Mayweather is a different animal. Mayweather is a better counterpuncher, better defense, you know, better defense, smarter. You know, he's, 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 he works harder in training. He's like, I mean, he, he don't say hard work and dedication for no reason. I mean, the dude really is a living testament to what he says. And, I mean, it's just going to be another day in office. To me, at this point, like, I've, I've been saying this for the last four or five years, only fight that matters now is him and Pacquiao. I mean, which, you know... It looks like that's not going to happen still, but, you know, of course the media is going to still hype it up and try to force it to, you know, for them to, to fight. But, I mean, at this point, to me, and I said this for a couple of years, Mayweather really don't have nothing else to really prove at this point mm-hmm. in boxing. I mean, you know, uh, he whooped up on Alvarez when, when Ali, I thought that was going to be a challenge for him, and he made that look mm-hmm. like easy work. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, yeah, it's just another another day in the office, man. You know, just go ahead and fight Pacquiao, beat him up, and then just retire so everybody can shut up. So, you know, it's it's going to be another day in the office for Mayweather, man. What about you, FIFO? Would you pay to see this fight? Because it, it, it looks like uh, Mayweather only has a few more fights left on his contract. Uh, he's going to honor his contract, which I think ends – in 2015, so I want to say it was, it's late next year. I think he's got like two or three more fights left. Uh, we don't know if, if Pacquiao will be in that mix. 
So what about you, FIFO? Would you pay to see this fight? Nah, man. Nah, nah. <laughs> you know, Mayweather is typically worth the price of admission, but, you know, um, nah, nah, I ain't doing it. I would have paid for it. I, I feel like, because I already know who's going to win, and it's not going to be close. Like, this is not mm-hmm. competition really for him. Uh, and I think Dean's right. I think, you know, honestly, outside of Adrian Bronner, you know, Pacquiao's the only other guy that I would, I, I really want to see May, Mayweather fight now. You know, so, it's just kind of, I'm kind of, like, I don't know if Mayweather has another really big fight on him. Okay. What about you, Ken? Um, no, I, I'll go watch it somewhere. <laughs> but, um, but nah, man. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pay to see this fight. Um, you know, I I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't even know much about the guy. So if, and and so that be, without even know, I, like I know who Pacquiao is, and you know, so that's right. the one everybody's been talking about. So that's the one I would like to see. But but you know, this this guy, nah, nah. But I I, I go to a fight party all day. Let me throw this out there. So what if dude does be Mayweather, though? You know what, FIFA, I, I think that's the thing that keeps people coming back to right. pay-per-view. Yep. Um, yep. And that's the appeal to Floyd because yep. if you think about it, Floyd, made, Floyd Mayweather is really at a point in his career, and it probably has been for the last five or ten years, where you either like him or you don't. Like this. Yep. You can ask twenty people about Floyd Mayweather, and you and you won't get one person say, ah, he's okay. You know, either yeah, I like Floyd, I fucks with Floyd, or they'll say, man, I can't stand Floyd Mayweather ass. You know, so it's not really you're not going to get um, one way or the other. And I think that the same goes for when it comes to actually paying for a fight. You know, but I think that's the appeal. I think a lot of people, you know, who either put money on him or put uh, excuse me, bet against him or um, you know, just want to see him not get knocked out. Um, and and, and what's, what's interesting, when I think back, think back to even Mike Tyson in his heyday, I don't think people disliked Mike. Like, I mean, now he had his detractors, but, like, people didn't watch his fights to hope he would get knocked out because nobody saw the Buster Douglas thing happening. I think nope. people watched him. They got his fights to see him destroy people. You know, he was unstoppable. Right. And, and right. I think... Right. You know, Floyd is just the opposite. You know, people are waiting. They want to see him get knocked off that pedestal. And, you know, unfortunately, as we all know, there's there's probably not any fighter out there that can. But, I mean, hey, all it takes is one punch. You know, but can you hit Floyd? I don't know. I mean, dude's quick as a cat. So, I haven't seen in the last ten fights. I haven't seen anybody get a good shot on him. So Mosley, Mosley, Mosley caught him. Mosley caught him. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about Mosley. Mo- yeah, Mosley caught him. Good, right? You know, but I mean, Mayweather. Actually, then, like I said, that was actually the worst thing that happened to Mosley because when 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 he hit when he hit Floyd with that and stunned him, Floyd was like, I, that was like one of the most focused fights I've seen Floyd fight from the second round to the to the twelfth. I was like, dude, Floyd was just he was flawless after he got tagged with that right. With Shane right. Mosley, I was like, man, that, that was the worst thing to happen for Shane Mosley. Like, if he wanted, if he wanted to tag him with that right hand, you know, Mosley probably would have had a little shot. But when he tagged him with that right hand, Floyd Mayweather was like, okay, I see you. You know, that was a good shot. And then he went to that corner. Then he came back out. I was like, I mean, Mosley literally did not touch him 
the remainder mm-hmm. of the fight. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. I have never seen. I was like, this is crazy. Like you know, Mosey was trying his best to do everything, and, and Mayweather was just counter. Pop, 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 pop. I mean, hitting him with all types of combinations. He was like, okay, you tag me. I'm just gonna beat your ass the rest of this damn fight. <laughs> tagging him, tagging him. So you know, I mean, you know, and Mayweather, he just he adjusts so well, man. It's just like he does. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I just don't see nobody beating him. I, I, I really don't. I mean, only way it may to take a defeat if he just, which I hope he don't do. I hope no nobody talking to doing this is like moving up to like you know middleweight or super middleweight or something right, like that. Like right, right, right. You know, because you know, even when he's not fighting, Mayweather's natural weight is like one fifty one, one fifty two. So it's not like he's you know his because his fighting weight is like one forty seven. So it's not like he's gaining all this weight, you know, naturally. All his walking around weight is, is like five pounds heavier than his training weight. So mm-hmm. just don't, I hope you don't move up. Just stay at, stay at your king weight, which is welterweight. You know, if someone wants to try to knock you off that throne, they got to they gotta, they gotta fight you at the welterweight. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think at this point, Floyd is not going to put himself in a situation where he right. can get beat. Um, right. You know, Bronner is, is a fight that you know probably not going to happen. And you, and that's when you really start looking down the table and saying, okay, well, damn, who can he fight? And then you realize yeah. there really ain't a lot of people out there to fight. He said he's going to honor his contract, which I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it, it I think he's set that's to have his final fight. I want to say next September, next September, yeah. September 2015. So you know, once he gets that done, he's he's going to step away yeah. and he yeah. will. Inevitably retire undefeated and go down as one of the greatest uh, of all time. But of course, Floyd being Floyd, he's going to tell you how great he is as he walks out the door. So, um, yep. it'll be interesting, man. I mean, I, much like you, be I would like to see if, if if for nothing else, I would like to see him be in a battle, be in a fight, fight, not something where he toys with a guy for seven rounds or anything like that. I would like to see him be in in a fight where he gets rocked a couple of times and and literally has to fight for his life. You know, a fight for well, his so What's so crazy is that, you know, every time he fights an opponent, they be thinking like, Okay, well, you know, this guy he's he's gonna he's gonna crack the Floyd Mayweather cold. Like he's gonna he's gonna put him up for just like Alvarez. Alvarez, they was right. like, Oh, this is this is the fight that Mayweather might finally take his defeat or this is gonna be his toughest fight since Jose Calistillo, you know, it's like he's he's gonna fight for this one. Man, and I was I was kind of hoping that to be honest. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of hope Alvarez kind of pushed Mayweather to the limit. Man, I was watching this. Fight, I was like, I, I was with old people crowd like, man, Mayweather is just great. <laughs> this dude is just he's impossible to beat. Like it was just like at thirty six, going on thirty seven, dude. He, he's fighting like he's still twenty five, twenty six years old. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like I've never seen nothing like this out of a fighter, man. To be in the game for almost twenty years like this and still. And still in you know fighting in his prime like you know like he's in his yeah. fight like he's, and he's still focused. He's, yeah, still, he's focused. still focused, man. I mean, for you to still be dominating the, the uh, sport like that for for that many years and still have that hunger, you know what I'm saying? That, that I mean, you gotta appreciate that. And the, and the dude's dedication to boxing though is like second to none. You can't, you can't, you gotta appreciate that, man. Like you, any athlete, I mean, whether it's baseball, basketball, like they're, they're, like Kobe Bryant. Like I'm not a really big Kobe Bryant fan, but I. I know Kobe Bryant is, you know, he's a baller, and I and I and I appreciate his dedication to the game of basketball. Right. You know what I'm saying? Same way with Michael Jordan. You know, this is like, dude, for you to win six championships and still, you know, still want to have that hunger to win. Mm-hmm. You know, most people they win one or two championships, they don't have a desire to win no more. You know, yeah, Jordan, 
for him to still have that desire and still be the, the the first guy in the gym and the last guy to leave, you you won five championships. What you need a six one for? It's like that's crazy, man. Like that's why I got to give it to Floyd Mayweather, man, and him to keep that focus for that long. The champ since '96 and it's 2014. Crazy. Or '98. I'm sorry, I've been a champ since '98. I've been watching him since '96, but he's been a champ since '98, and it haven't happened. Nobody knocked him off since. No, no doubt, no doubt. Phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. You're listening to The Place Where Sports Opinions Collide, Dead End Sports. Um, you know what, man, I, I, went, I, I was thinking about something the other day, um, and it led me to this question. Uh, of course, a couple weeks ago we had the NBA All-Star Game, and um, during the play intros, or right before the play intros, uh, the NBA brought out Pharrell Williams. Uh, we all know Pharrell, hip hop producer, um, you know, fashion designer. I mean, Pharrell's everywhere. I mean, he's got the number one album, or excuse me, number one song in the country right now, uh, the joint "Happy," um, which I actually like. Uh, by the way, I can't say I like a lot of <laughs> a lot of songs on the radio today, but I actually like that song. It's kind of catchy, and my youngest son loves it. Um, but it got me to thinking about, you know, the fact that, and, and what was interesting was when they brought Pharrell out. You know, they kind of went through his catalog as far as some of the songs that he's produced and sang on or produced or what have you, or rapped on. Um, and, you know, as I was sitting there watching it, it kind of dawned on me like, like, oh, shit, Pharrell's got a nice little catalog here, you know, to be out there and actually perform. And now he was trying to sing in falsetto and didn't sound too good, but that's another story. Nevertheless, got me thinking, if you, if you had to put together a halftime show, at a sporting event, an all-star game, or possibly even a Super Bowl. Well, you guys, we, we talk hip-hop all the time. You guys, it's what you do. What current hip-hop artist do you think would put on a great halftime show during an NBA game or maybe a well, – well, I don't want to say Super Bowl because rappers ain't never going back to the Super Bowl to perform. That ain't never, you can forget mm-hmm. about that. Once, once Janet popped the titty out, that was it. Um, so, so people, I'll start with you, man. What current hip hop artist would you think would put on a great halftime show? Oh um, man, um, you know, I think Jay Z would, would bring it down. So, like, I think um, with the, next year it's supposed to be in Toronto, so I think like that should be Drake hands down. I think that would be pretty crazy. I think you know it, the next time it's in Brooklyn or whenever Brooklyn gets it, if Jay Z does it. You know, um, I think that'll be pretty crazy. Um, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see Kanye. You know, I think Kanye and Jeezy, T.I., you know, almost all of the commercials. Would you guys, really want to trust Kanye at a live event, though? I think that, uh, yeah. Rant, rant coming. A rant. Coming. He would <laughs> rant his ass off. He'd be like, now I'm in a Super Bowl. I got the most watched event. Oh, I'm rant. I'm rant. Well, not the Super Bowl, but you know, uh, but an All Star game like basketball, yeah. But you know, like let's be honest, like basketball messes with hip hop. When you look at all of this commercials and their branding, it, it's it's primarily hip hop. You know what I'm saying? The NFL doesn't embrace it because a lot of their demographic is still primarily white. The NBA demographic is more black. It, it's more balanced. It's more even. You know, so. Yeah, nah, hip-hop and the NBA are, like, kind of hand-to-hand to me. What about you, B? Who, who do you think would put on a good show? At a basketball game? A halftime show? Yeah. 
Oh shit. Okay, I, I gotta bring this up. I think it was a it was a couple weeks ago at a Piston game, Detroit Pistons game, and freaking uh, Mace was performing at the halftime show at a Piston game. <laughs> My boy told me Mace that from like Bad Boy Mace. Yeah, Murder Mace. Oh Mace. shit, Harlem World. Is he still rapping? I guess he was. He was at the, wow. the Pistons um, halftime. He performed at the Pistons because I know a couple of a homegirl of mine. She was at the Pistons game and she Instagrammed like, "Why is Mace performing at our halftime?" <laughs> and I was, and I, I thought that shit was hilarious. But uh, artists that put on a good halftime show, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, I think I mean just for, for basketball, I think you had Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Lamar at a halftime show. I think that'd be a good, a good little halftime show. Having performed about. You know, three, three or four joints from Good Kid, Mad City, and Section Eighty, or something like that. You know, I think that'd be cool. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I think I, that would be. I would throw that out. That would be. Who would you pick? Uh, which which hip hop artist would you pick uh, to perform at a halftime show? DMX, and I'm not talking <laughs> about. Uh, <laughs> The, the Man, new DMS. Stop. I'm talking about old Rough Riders DMS. When he had uh, all of those songs that that were popping, man. Um, you know, nigga, what? Wait, uh, shit. The Rough Rider anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Rob. Yeah, man. DMS, man. That that shit had everybody, everybody, crunk and hype, man. So. You know what? I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them DMS out there, man. I, I thought Kanye was a good one that people had, but but yeah, man, bring bring DMS out there, man. The old old DMS, old DMS, not not the right. new guy, not, not the not the yeah, fed DMS, sober one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know what I thought about? I thought my first thought was um, Eminem. Um. And I'm not really sure why, but I, I know M kind of transcends, you know, and he, he is a crossover appeal. But when you think about, like, hits, like, he doesn't, I, well, I don't want to say he doesn't have hits. He has hits, but, like, I guess you could go some of his older stuff, too. That, that, would, that, would, that, would, that would go over well, I think. Um, I would be Kanye is a great call. I would just be scared as hell. Kanye would do something, show his ass or something. Like I, I would, like you would have to put a a seven second delay with Kanye on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Jay Z is another good one. Um, and I would I would say Outkast if you could get you know them focused enough to to do it. Um, not that they, not that they're not focused, but I, I think they have a catalog. And then when they go into the the poppier stuff like Hey Ya, I think Outkast could hold it down. And they put on a good show. I've, I've actually seen them in concert. I think Outkast would be. I think they they would do just fine. They would do just fine. Um, and somebody says, somebody on Twitter said Pharrell. Yeah, we already we already seen Pharrell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ain't trying to see Pharrell out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, Pharrell was he was good at at the uh, at, at the All Star game. It's just it was just a little surprising to me that they went the Pharrell route. I just I was like, okay, that's different, you know. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be opposed to somebody like Pharrell. And like I said, his his catalog is good. I mean, but you know, if you want to go hip hop, produce some catalogs, you can go Dre all day. Um, Snoop might not be a bad person to perform. Snoop puts on a good show. Um, 
you know, it, you'd have to have him do the clean versions of his songs. But um, that might not be a bad way to, to go either. Um, last question I want to throw out to you guys before we do our closing statements. Um, the, the Winter Olympics just ended. Uh, <laughs> did you watch any of the events in the Olympics? If, if so, which ones did you enjoy? I'll start with you first, Ken. Uh, Winter Olympics, man. What did you watch? What did you enjoy? The whole nine. Um, I, I, I actually enjoyed watching none of it. Um, I, I didn't care for the, the Winter Olympics, man. I mean, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I know the, the family was in here, um, watching the, the opening ceremonies. And they were walk, walking out and, and doing the carnival stuff and all the other stuff. And, and um, again, I was back here working on stuff, man. I, I, I don't have time for the Winter Olympics. I, I don't know if that's unpatriotic or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, man, I just it, – it's nothing that really captures my attention, and it's not really something that they're, they're looking for me to watch. It's, it's for people outside of me, so – um and that's that. So nah, I, I, I didn't catch it, man. What about you, FIFO? Uh, Winter Olympics, man. How much of it did you watch, and uh, what did you like? Um, you know, I like Ken. You know, the Winter Olympics are definitely not for me. Um, really, I didn't watch anything. Um, I saw a lot of the highlights on ESPN, but um. But, you know, sometimes when there isn't anything to watch, and, you know, I've watched it in years past. I just I really didn't catch anything this year. But, you know, there's some interesting competitions, and my head is like, how, like, how did y'all even come up with this event? Like, what do they do this? Like, do people do this on the regular? Do they do this, like, on their, on their <laughs> right. own time? So, you know, I think that was always interesting to me about the Winter Olympics. Like, how do they come about these events? So, outside of that, yeah, not for me. What about you, B? Uh, Winter Olympics, man. Did you watch anything? Figure skating, curling. <laughs> <laughs> what was going in B's crib? Hell yeah, nigga. I, I was I was watching that figure skating like a motherfucker. So I know I was. I, I didn't I didn't watch the uh, Winter Olympics. I mean, I, I give zero f's of, 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 the, of the Winter Olympics. I don't I don't care at all. <laughs> Like I didn't watch anything. I, I kept watching the Sports Center highlights of the USA mm-hmm. women's hockey team losing and the USA men's hockey team losing and stuff. But you know, I didn't care nothing about it at all. Sorry. What did you watch? No, Kyle? no, it's, it's go ahead, Ken. What did you say? No, I said what did you watch? Um, much like you guys, I you know I don't think it's unpatriotic to to not watch it. It's just that the sports really, you know. They don't have any sports that really kind of cater to stuff that I like. Um, so what did I watch? The only event I can honestly say that I sat down and watched was the ski jump. And I've always been a fan of ski jump, like, since I was a kid. But I'm admittedly so I'm a, I'm a fan of ski jump for the wrong reason. I like to see people fall. So, <laughs> so you know, coming down, you know, coming down the ski slope, you know, seventy miles an hour, and you brush your, cause I, I, you brush your ass or whatever. Nah, that, I mean, that's what I'm looking for. But um, not too many people fell this year. So, you know, that and the downhill skiing, if it was on, I, I, I got a chance to see a couple of those events. But um, um, but everything else, you know, was so like tape delayed and stuff like that. So you know, it's. It's not any fun when it's in another country and it's already happened and 
you know, it's going to be broadcast later. You already know who won. No, I don't want to, if, if I know who won the hockey game, I don't, I'm not going to sit and watch your two-hour coverage of the hockey game. Well, that's wasting two hours, in my opinion. You know, so, no, I'm not going to watch. So I, I saw a couple of ski jumps and um, and the downhill, uh, I think it was a downhill slalom or something like that. And that's all I saw. Um, not a big, not a big fan at all. Um, but I will definitely, the Summer Olympics, that's different. But Winter Olympics, nah. I, I can so that's what I was going to ask, though. So why do you think the Summer Olympics have so much bias? Um, I think it's because we, you know, we can relate to those sports, and those are the sports that we kind of, you know, at, at least were involved Silent. to some degree yeah. with, with playing. Like, for me, you know, like you guys sure. spent time and, and grew up up north where hockey was abundant. You know, I didn't put I never put on a pair of uh, ice skates until I was like 35. So, you know, cuz there's no ice hockey in South Carolina. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I don't know, man. It's it's just a little bias or whatever, but I mean, we we all know somebody that ran track and field. If we if you didn't run track and field. Um, and all the right. girls fast, you know, they look good. Track they had track bodies. You know, back in the day when we were in high school, well, you know, I, so <laughs> you know, sometimes you go to the track meets just to see what you can see. You know, so it wasn't even that big of a deal. But hockey, I mean, excuse me, um, the weather love is just a little different, man. And that's not anything bad. It's just a little different. So, but um, without further ado, we're going to wrap up tonight's show. We're going to go ahead and jump to uh, our closing statements. Ken, you are up first. Man, I'm going to keep this real, real quick, as quick as I possibly can, man. Everybody on goddamn Twitter, you see one damn tweet and you react. One damn tweet and you react to every damn thing you say, to everything you damn see like you're a damn expert. I'm not an expert either, and I'm not claiming to be. But goddamn it, don't try to sit here and act like you have an answer. Oh, if I say Westbrook, oh, man, Westbrook, Rusty, or Westbrook, who that? I don't need you to tell me it's his first game back. It takes time. He need to get into it. <sighs> Motherfucker, I know that shit. God damn it, I've been playing basketball. I know this shit. Everybody knows it takes time. That doesn't mean he's not Rusty or whatever else I got to say at the damn time. So understand that whatever I say, let it be that. But and, and stop trying to trap me. Stop trying to trap me about shit I said in the past, about whatever happened in the past that was in the past. I'm talking about now, and everything I say is about now. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, B. <laughs> Where's your closing um, statement? Uh, uh, nitty-gritty in the college basketball season. Conference play is always yeah. proven to be the toughest of the college. This is when you're about to find out what teams are made of. Um, uh, it kind of slipped my mind. I, I forgot that Creighton is number nine and St. Louis is number ten in the country. So it's like, man, teams are coming out the woodworks. The, the NCAA is wide open this year. Like, it is. I can, I easily see like the top twenty teams. Any of them can take it this year. Any of them. I don't really see a dominating college team this season, which I love. So I can't wait for the March Madness and conference tournament. All right, people, you got sixty seconds. What you got? Well, I'm gonna keep it short, simple, to the point. Uh, pay attention to the little moves and buyouts in the NBA because this is when championship rosters get tweaked. Yes. Glenn Davis was a big move for the Clippers. Um, you know, he's not going to make a lot of money, not a big name. Uh, he is a big baby, and he is reunited with Doc where he's going to make uh, a real push. And I told all you mugs, 
Blake Griffin's ready. So if you don't believe it, watch when it, when these playoffs roll around. Uh, my closing statement is going to be this, man. Hey, most of you listening to this show follow Dead End Sports and follow Dead End Hip Hop. Hey, man, don't send me your tapes, man. <laughs> I'm not a music critic, man. Today I got the fifth email about somebody listening to somebody's demo. If you really want 12 Kyle to listen to your demo, be prepared for me to give you an honest answer. I'm not Ken. I'm not FIFA. I'm not Mike C-Town. I do know my hip-hop, and I know it well. But if you really want my honest opinion on your music, and you send me your emails, and you ask me to critique your music, I will. Just be prepared for what I have to say. That's going to do it for this week. For my man FIFO, for B, for Ken, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Make sure you come back and check us out next week. This is Dead End Sports. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace! Peace. Peace out. Peace out.